Okay, so um, let's see if we can get, there we go. So tonight I'm going to cover uh, a portion of scripture that probably everybody's very familiar with. Uh, and, I, and I'm probably not, not going to tell you anything that's uh, very profound that you've never heard before, but I, I can promise you that we can't hear it enough. Um, so when we talk about Romans 12, 1 through 2, and I named it being a living sacrifice because, as you know, that's uh, what that is uh, about. So I'm going to go ahead and read it real, real quickly so we can start with the text uh, and... Uh, and see uh, exactly what God has for us. This is uh, the word of God. So, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which, you're, which is your reasonable service. And in some of the other, um, like in the ESV, it says your, your uh, s- spiritual worship. And do not, do not, oh, here, I went a little too far, didn't I? And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, before we walk through this portion of Scripture, um, the first word I want to kind of draw your attention to is, is uh, uh, the therefore. Because therefore always tells us that we need to look and see, well, I, everybody likes to use the cliche, what is there for? But we, it tells us that we need to look back to what they just said. And so, uh, you know, we need to consider what, what Paul has just previously stated in actually Romans 1 through Romans 11. And so when we look back to this, we can see that Paul has been extolling and he's been pointing out the many mercies of God of which he makes note of here in, in 12.1. So therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So I would like to... Uh, <laughs> so Billy expertly covered six uh, chapters, and I just, I just thought, well, well, I'll, I'll try to cover 11 or 12. But not really, not like Billy did. I, I'm going to point out all the mercies of God that, uh, that are listed, that Paul extolled, and he, and he showed as he... As he uh, you know told about all the mercies of God through chapter 1 and through chapter 11. So I'm going to be, be pointing to all of these. And I just think it's amazing uh, to see all these. And uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to do it as efficiently as Billy did. Uh, and uh, because it, it, what a wonderful message it was Sunday. I, I really enjoyed that. So, so um, these many mercies of God that Paul is referring to, they're, they're contained through 1 through 11. And uh, so there, there's so many mercies. I'm only going to cover 14 of them, but there's more than that. Um, uh, but so this, this quick overview is not exhaustive, uh, but it is meant to show you the abundance of the mercies that God has shown to us. So let's, let's go on ahead and take a, a brief look. So the first one I want to point out is God's divine love. And we, we see that in chapter 1, verse 7, chapter 5. Verse 8, chapter 8, 30, 37 through 39, and we'll just uh, kind of quickly go through these. So to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, uh, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see right off the bat that we are the beloved of God. Do you ever stop and think about that? Do you ever stop and, under, and realize that God loves you? 
the creator of, of, of the, the universe, the creator of everything that you can see and everything that you can't see, he loves you. I, I, I just think that's simply profound. Okay, so in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, I'm sure uh, everybody here who's been a Christian for a little while is very familiar with this, with this one. So yet, in Romans 8, uh, verses 37 through 39, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's, again, it's amazing. The one who created all things, he has chosen to love us. And, uh, he, and he did that while we were yet sinners. Even more amazing. So the second one I want to point out is grace. And, and again, if we go to chapter uh, 1, verse 7, we see that, you know, grace to you and, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23. Sorry. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ. So we have, we have grace, uh, God's unmerited favor. So I, I would like to point out how God gives these mercies and he gives these graces to us. Uh, and they're not things that we earned or we deserved. We see that all throughout scripture. It makes it very clear that we can't take credit for any of it. So therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In Romans 5, 1 and 2. We have peace. Again, we see, we see in, uh, in chapter 1 and verse 7, chapter 2, verse 10, chapter 5, verse 1, uh, to all who are in Rome... Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 2.10 we see, But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jews first and also the Greeks. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 so we have peace with God. At one time, we were his enemies. We were at enmity with God. But, but through his mercy, he has made us children of God now through the blood of Christ. So faith, he's given us faith. Uh, we see in Romans 1, 16, 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We see in Romans 3.28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. We see in Romans 4.5, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. So faith is our trust in God. 
And Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we can't, even, we can't please God without this. And the beautiful thing is, is that this is, faith is a gift from God. He even gives us that. So another mercy is goodness and kindness. So we see that in chapter 2, uh, verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So we see that goodness, uh, the, the definition for goodness in the Bible is a quality of being helpful or beneficial or being generous. Well, God has been very generous to us. Wouldn't you agree with that? So righteousness, which is being upright, just, or fair, being right in the eyes of God, that's what righteousness is biblically. For as by one man's obedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. We see that in Romans 5.19. So we see forgiveness as another mercy. To release, uh, you know, this means to be released from legal or moral obligation. So when we become saved, when we became regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we're released of that obligation of sin and the penalty that comes with, with it, which is death. So we see in Romans 4, 7 through 8, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. So Paul is quoting Psalms 32, 1 through 2, which, which David wrote. But this is beautiful. This is beautiful that God does not impute our sins to us. He does not account our sins to ourselves. He, he, he takes those away because of the sacrifice that Christ has made. So the Holy Spirit indwells us. That's another mercy. So we see in, in chapter 8, 11, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. We have reconciliation. We see that in chapter 5, uh, verses 10 and 11. The reestablishment of an interrupted or broken relationship. That's what reconciliation means. So again, we were at enmity with God. You know, a lot of people, they always talk to you about how the devil's going to get you and you need to be worried about the devil and all those things. Well, until you're saved, the person that you have to worry about is God. Your problem is not Satan. Your problem is God. Until you're reconciled to God, there can be no salvation and there can be no hope. So reconciliation, which is a mercy that God has given us, we were in, at enmity with him, and through the sacrifice of Christ, we have been brought back, back into right relationship with him, and we've been brought back into fellowship with him. And it's just a, a, a beautiful thing again. These, these things, you know, as I, as I go through this, you know, anytime that, that I go through and I have to study to, to teach, you know, the first person that learns the most is me. And the questions that get asked, they get asked to me first. And uh, I, I'm, I love to do it because God shows me so much. But I'm just in awe at the fact that the creator of all things ha has done these things, ha has saved us and has reconciled us and given us these mercies. So we see in Romans uh, 5, 10, and 11, for if we were enemies, uh, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, 
much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. Mm, it's good stuff. I, I didn't even get to that, did I? Okay. So we'll go to justification. And justification is the next one. So this is to make free or pure. So we're, we are vindicated. We're made just by, by God. We're treated as just uh, through our faith in Jesus Christ. So this is what happens when you agree with God, when you repent and turn from your sin, when you are, are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You know, and you believe what God says and, and not what you, what you say. Justification or being justified is mentioned 15 times through, through chapter 1 through 11 uh, and, uh, by Paul. And so, the, you know, I'm just going to hit a couple of, of the references on these. Um, so, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Romans 5.1. And then we also see in Romans 8.30... Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So security we also receive. So if we're in Christ, we're, we, we're free from condemnation. We, we don't, uh, we're not under that. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, Romans 8.1. This is always a good one to remember when, when we start getting attacked by the world and our flesh and Satan, to remember that if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. We have to, we have to move forward. So freedom from sin, uh, we'll see that in chapters uh, 6, uh, 13 through four, verse 13 through 14. And do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. We're free from sin. Resurrection. We have the promise of re resurrection. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Because of Christ and because of what he's done, we get to join him in eternal life. We will be resurrected into a glorified body and we get to spend eternity with him. Adoption. So this, the, the sonship, we are, we're sons and daughters of God, heirs, join, join heirs with Jesus. And we see this in uh, chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified. So I just listed 14, and there's 20-something if you, if you really go through and start counting. 
And uh, even these are just a, a little bit of all that you would find in there. So from Romans 1 through 11, we have seen many mercies of God here. Uh, if you read through these chapters completely, you'll see God's divine love in chapter 1, 5, and 8. You'll see grace in chapters 1, 3, 4, 5, and 6. You'll see peace in chapters 1, 2, 5, and 8. You'll find faith in chapters 1 through 11. You'll find goodness and kindness in chapter 2. You'll find forgiveness in chapter 4. The Holy Spirit indwelling us, you'll see that in chapter 8. Reconciliation in chapter 5. Justification from chapter 2 to 10, and which again is mentioned 15 times in there. Security in chapter 5 and in chapter 8. Freedom from sin and its penalty in chapter 6. Resurrection also in chapter 6. And adoption in chapter 8. So as you can imagine... As, as Paul is, is, is extolling all these mercies and these gifts that God has given us, when he gets to the end of chapter 11, he's just overcome, and, and he breaks into worship. You know, he, he is overcome by all the mercies that, that he's just gone through and the goodness of God. And so, uh, you know, in, in Romans 11, verses 33 through 36, he basically, it's a doxology, it's a praise to the, to the Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments. We can never search out God's judgments. His ways are higher than ours. And his ways past finding out. We, you know, if we tried uh, forever, we could not figure God out, right? So as we continue on, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be repaid him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. So I can, I can just imagine as Paul's writing this and he's written all this out and he's come to this conclusion and he's come to this point and he sees that uh, the, the massive amount of grace that God has bestowed upon us and faith and all the mercies that he's given and how the biggest mercy, of course, is salvation, that we, that we now have eternal life through the, through the sacrifice that Christ made and that we are now his sons and his daughters, and that uh, we will live forevermore with him, and that we, as we walk this out, we have faith, and we have peace, and we have grace. It's, it's just, it really is uh, amazing uh, to look at these and to, and to really understand them, and I would uh, strongly suggest that when you have time, I know we just got through reading through Romans. I know the church just, just went through that. But I would, I would strongly suggest that you take time and really study through Rome. Rome is such a beautiful book. Of course, I'm, I say that about all of them. But it is, it's, it's such a blessing uh, to go through this book and see all the things that God has blessed us with and how he loves us. Um, it, it is a wonderful thing. So, so now, now that we've gone through all these mercies, uh, you know, hopefully not, not too... Uh, uh, short and not too quickly here um, so when we when we read uh, we get back to the main text so Paul admonishes us to present our bodies a living sacrifice uh, 
Now, he first calls us uh, to be a living sacrifice in Romans 6. So we'll go and look at that real quickly. And do not present your members as the instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness uh, to God. So we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And Paul is, is telling us to act accordingly. So we're not dead any longer. You know, in the Old Testament, they would, they would do a sacrifice and it was dead. In the New Testament system, we are a living sacrifice. We were dead and now we're presented alive because of the, the sacrifice that Christ has made. And that living sacrifice is something that we do continually. You know, that's why it's living. As we live, as long as you live, you should be a living sacrifice. So we should not approach God, uh, and I, as many people do, un unfortunately, and we've, I think probably we've all done it at some point in our life, but we should never be approaching God asking, well, what can you do for me? Because the reality is, is that God has done everything that you need already. Everything that, that you will ever have access to, he's already done it. He's already made it available to you. So our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, are, it's not dependent upon what God's going to do for us because he's already done it. If we want to get a deeper relationship with the Lord, we have to give ourselves. And that's what Paul's saying. You know, if you, if, if you want to get deeper with the Lord and you want to uh, uh, give him true worship, then you have to give yourself. And, you know, here, you know, Jesus made one perfect, once-for-all sacrifice, which now provides us access to everything that God has for us. So how do we gain access uh, to, to this, to what God has, has provided for us? So we see in Romans 12:1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, we're going to read this a lot, so... You probably already have. You can read with me if you'd like. So. so the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. So for a deeper relationship with God, it requires uh, that we give ourselves. It requires, uh, because his expectation, his expectation, his command, this is, this is not a suggestion. This is an imperative for a Christian. We, we are to give our lives a living sacrifice is that we give all that we are to him. And he mentions we present our bodies because our bodies encompass all that we are. I mean, our soul, our body, our mind, our will, everything that we are is tied up in that. And so this is a picture. This, this is, you know, the presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice is like a, Le a Levitical sacrifice. You're giving yourself to God in worship. So let's go to 12. Where am I? Yeah. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I want to point out brethren here. So brethren is our clue that Paul is actually talking to believers. He's not talking to people that don't know the Lord. He's talking to people that do know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, I strongly suggest that you do whatever it takes to know the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord... You, you cannot give your body a living sacrifice because you're still spiritually dead. I mean, that's the, the first thing that we have to do is, is um, 
be reconciled to the Lord. So that our first step is that our soul belongs to him, that we have been saved. So without the, the regeneration by the Holy Spirit, we're still dead. We're still unable to present ourselves a living sacrifice. We must be saved. So we also see, as he continues, he said, you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So we must be saved. Then we can present our bodies a living sacrifice. We can be wholly separated to him. We can be accept, acceptable to God, give ourselves to him and to please him, which is, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship, depending on, on which uh, version you might be looking at. It is what's logical. It's, it's what makes sense. If, if God, who has, who has given you all these mercies, He's given you salvation. He's given you access to eternal life. He's given you uh, grace and peace and faith and, and all these wonderful things, a sonship, all these things that we've lift, list, listed here. It just makes sense that you would give your life to him. I mean, it is your reasonable, sir. It, it is what makes sense. So let's, let's look at this. So, so as we're talking about reasonable service here, the, uh, the Greek is logikos. Uh, so it means reasonable or rational. So it means giving your life completely to God. Is, so that's reasonable. That's rational. Again, if God has provided all that you would ever need, if he has, if he has saved you from sure death and, and a life of, of sure eternal torment, uh, it is right, and it is rational, it is logical that we would give our life to him, that we would, that we would do as he has asked us to do. So let's look at the word service here. So service is, is also the word worship. If you look at... Uh, the Greek word it is latreia, and this is lit- so. This is literally talking about your reasonable worship that you would give that you would give, or that we would give our lives completely to God as a living sacrifice. This is your reasonable and logical worship to God. So, I just want to take a second here, and I want to talk about what we think worship is. Um, a lot of people think worship is, is the music part. Uh, it, it, it's, that's part of it, but that's not, that's not worship. It, you know, so, you know when we, what worship is, when we come together here, and we come here to worship the Lord, the reading of the word is worship. When we pray together, that is worship. When we share his word, that is worship. When we come up and sing praises to him, that is worship. We don't need any music to worship him. Worship, worship starts with us. You know, we, I like how MacArthur said it. He said, I bring worship to the music. And what he talks about, because, you know, we all, we all have favorite musics. And there's, there's music that we prefer over other music. And sometimes in our flesh, we'll be like, I don't, I'm not really feeling this music. And so I'm not going to worship or I'm not going to, I'm not really getting into this so much. But the music doesn't matter. Music is not worship. Worship is what we bring to God. Music complements worship, 
But worship is what you bring to God. You come here and you give your life a living sacrifice. Do you, do you uh, stay in his word? Are you in his word daily? Do you pray? Do you, do you make it a point each and every day to uh, spend time to get in his word, which is life-changing, which is the way that we're transformed, and we'll get more into that here soon. But we can't be changed any other way except by being in his word. It's very clear. We can't, we can't white-knuckle it. We can't be good enough. We can't do these things. By grace, we're saved. It is all a work that he does, so we cannot boast. And, and the way that we're changed is to be in his word. The way that we worship, true worship, is, is what we bring. You know, we come with a heart that is, is holy for him. When we come in here for worship in the, mor- in the mornings or in the evenings for church, when we come, you should be imagining yourself standing there worshiping God. Forget about everybody that's around you. You know, when I'm up here, I'm not singing to you. I'm singing to the audience of one. And I know we've all heard that before. So that's, that's how we're supposed to do. Now, listen, I, we all fell at that. I felt at that before. I, I, but I am, I'm telling you that, that it is so important that we understand uh, me first. I say me first and then everybody. It is so important that we understand that our worship is so dependent upon what we give to the Lord. It's not about what he's given to us. You know, we come in and we, and we, and we, uh, I know some people say, well, you cast all your cares away, and you can't, but you don't do that. You bring everything. You bring your trouble, you bring your sorrows, you bring everything in, and you give that to the Lord. You, that is even a part of, of worship, where he tells you to humble yourself and cast your cares upon him because he loves you. So that's an act of worship. You know, what I think about this, when it talks about Paul telling us that, that we live a life of worship, that we are a living sacrifice, that tells me that we do this all the time, and we do this constantly, right? We are, we are supposed to be in a constant state of worship. You know, do we, you know if, if I'm at work, if my mind is right, if I'm, if I'm uh, you know, I have my mind focused upon the Lord the way that I should. When, when, when trouble comes, or those things come, I'm turning toward the Lord, and I'm giving that to the Lord, and I'm, I'm giving my life to him even through, through the trouble and through the good stuff. I mean, you thank him when you get good stuff, and you, and you bring the trouble things to him because there's, we know that there's plenty of tribulation in this world. But those times God uses to sharpen us and to grow us, it, it's, it really is a wonderful thing that God uses all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So um, I want to cover uh, 12.1 to 2 right now to talk about uh, you know, uh, the second part of, of what I'm covering. It says, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So uh, we struggle with the world, and we struggle with the devil, and we struggle with our flesh, and we do those. uh, That's pretty much a constant state, uh, the state of struggle for a Christian. And those forces want to mold us into their image. 
And the one thing that we definitely learn here is that we, you know, the first thing is we don't conform to the world. We don't conform to it, no matter what they want. This is why Paul admonishes us not to let the world shape us or fashion us, uh, but rather that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which is done through reading his word. And as the Holy Spirit leads us in all truth, and he miraculously Uh, transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ as we are faithful to do this. You know, our glory grows more and more as we walk with the Lord and as he sanctifies us and he separates us from this world. This is only done, it's only done by being in his word, by meditating on his word, by spending time in prayer. So in doing this, God will transform our wills to to match his will. So if we look at the Greek word for transformed, it's, it's a uh, metamorpho. Um, that might sound familiar. Metamorphous. Uh, that's where we get that. So being, so so uh, conf- conforming is like uh, this word that, that they he uses here for conforming is like being pressed. You're being pressed into a mold, or you're being stamped. So he's telling you not to be stamped by the world. Don't be pressed into a mold. So you, you know. You might be pressed into a mold, and that might change your shape, but you won't be any different. So if you are transformed, then you become something new. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. He makes us a new creation. So chocolate that's molded into the shape of a bunny doesn't magically become a bunny. It does taste delicious, but it, you know, it's, it's still just chocolate. But, you know, it, you know, as we see in the physical world, we can see a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. It literally changes into something else. But we see a picture of, of this uh, in the transfiguration of Christ, which is the exact same word for transfigured uh, is, uh, is the same word that we see here for transformed. So now after six days, we see this in Matthew 17, uh, verse 1 through 2. Now after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. So this was a real change that they were seeing with Jesus. So it wasn't wasn't a light show, you know. Um, He he was literally changed before their eyes, a glimpse at, at his true glory, and this is what God has for us when we present uh, our bodies as living sacrifices. More and more, you know, our glory grows as we, as we walk out what God has for us. So it starts with our soul by salvation. Then we present our body, then our mind, and then, and, and then our will continually as living sacrifices to, uh, to God, our great King, our great Savior. Uh, so that we will continually be, be sanctified and set apart uh, by his word. And, and, that, and that's how this happens. So we know that it starts with a soul. And then we know that we are to give our body. But if we, we can give our body today and put it on the altar, we can make a sacrifice for our body. But if our mind... If our mind is not changed, if our mind 
remains the same. If it's conformed to the world, we'll crawl right off of that. I just remember when I was young, my dad, uh, uh, when he was pastoring, he, I remember him saying that the problem with uh, living sacrifices is that they like to crawl off the altar. And I always remembered that. What has to happen is you can't, you know, your soul uh, has to belong to the Lord. You have to give your body. But your mind has to be changed. Your mind has to be transformed. And that's what, uh, that's what Paul's talking about, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So to change your mind, you have to read and you have to study his word. And the, the Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. So we not only, we don't talk like Christians, we, we actually are Christians on the inside. We don't just speak Christianese. We actually, you know, that's what we feel and how we act on the inside. You know, when, when we're in our private life, if you, you know, people who, you know, they go and they see that they really are Christians. You know, when, when we live as a living sacrifice, when we obey God and the Holy Spirit changes us, he changes those things inside of us which we don't want, which, you know, when Paul talks about the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I, I do. The Holy Spirit changes that. He's the one that takes those things away. So, you know, you, you, you do talk the talk, and you do walk the walk. You are, you're, you're a Christian in speech, and you're a Christian in the way, the way that you actually live your life, the way that you walk it out. It, it, so it, there, there is no shortcut I can tell you that I struggled for years where, you know, in my mind, I could say, well, I know God's the one that saves me, but I've got to do better, and I've got to do this, and I, and I would strive, and I would struggle, and I would do those things, and I did exactly the opposite of what I needed to do. I, I needed to say, God, I believe what you've said. I believe that you've, you've given me these things, and now here, take my life. Take my life so I will so I can be a living sacrifice, and so your Holy Spirit will change me, and be, you know, and so I would get in his word, and that changed me, I, I, and I, I just can't tell you uh, loudly enough, or with enough love, or with enough passion, that I, I would beg you to be in his word every day. It changes everything. It changes, uh, it changes us, it transforms us into new creations that belong to the Lord. And, that, and, and our glory grows more and more as he sanctifies us through that. This is what Paul's talking about. So uh, God will renew and transform our minds uh, so it will match his perfect will. But in, in order for our bodies to remain uh, on the altar, for our bodies to remain the sacrifice, our minds must be changed. If we do not change our minds, if we, if we in any way, shape, or form let the world conform us or press us into that mold or stamp us, then we're going to come off the altar. And we're, we are not going to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. We're not going to live a life that is a true worship. We're going to, we're going to struggle. We're going to flounder. And it's just not necessary when he's provided all that we need. So when we walk out before the world, uh, you know, when he, talks about, when he talks about the will, he says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. When he's talking about that, he's not talking about proving God's will or thing like that. He's talking about us 
You know, once our soul is saved and our body is a living sacrifice and our mind has been changed by his word, then we start walking out his perfect will before people. We now are his perfect will on display. We show the world, we demonstrate to the world what it means to belong to the Lord and what it means to be a Christian. We're, we're ambassadors for Christ. We've all heard that, right? So, so this, this is what Paul's talking about. Once we do that, our, we, we, we're saved. Uh, we give our life, uh, our bodies as a living sacrifice. Our mind is a change continually by being in his word. That is not a one-time thing. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and say, well, I've read the Bible. I read it one time. Well, I tell you, I, one, one thing I've learned in the last two years is you cannot read it enough. If you read it a hundred times, that's not enough, you know. You need his word. His word is what changes us. I always remember the prayer that Christ prayed for the disciples. In John 17, 17, he said, Father, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. His word is truth. Remember when, when uh, he had said some hard things and the disciple, a bunch of disciples left and he turned uh, to, the, to the 12 and said, are you guys leaving too? And, they, and Peter says, well, where would we go? You... You have the words of life. That is true. God has the words of eternal life, and he has given it to you. You, you don't know the blessing that you have, or you do. I, 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 I know at times, even though I realize that we have access to these things, I want to say it graciously, but we don't, I, I don't feel like we understand the grace and the gift that God has given us. We live in a country where you can get a Bible in every language you would ever want. You can get it in big and tiny. You can get digital. You get whatever, you, and you can study that word all you want. You got all kinds of resources. You know, you can study. You can study out on the courtyard lawn. You can you, you can sit out in your parking lot at work and do it. You, I mean, you, you just can do that here. Even though you know we we've uh, started to get more pushback. At, you, you know, as being Christians, we still are very free to worship and, and to seek after God. But there's places in this world that cannot do that. They, they, would, they, would, they would just give anything to have one book of the Bible. They, they, they would give anything to be able to have the kind of access that we have to God's word. You know, we, we are so blessed that God has chosen to reveal himself, a measure of himself, through his holy word. And it's so important that we don't take those things for granted. It's so important that as we walk out our lives every day, that we remember that the reason that we have the very breath in our, in our lungs and that we're able to walk, if you're lucky enough to walk, that God is the reason for all that. If you can, if you can play a piano, if you can play a guitar, if you can sing, if, you, if you're a good carpenter, if you are a, a, a fantastic mom and you can, you know, juggle 15 things at one time, God has put all that skill and all those gifts in you. God is the one that gets credit for all those things. And we need to think about that as we're trying to walk out being a living sacrifice. Because, again, he's done all these things for us and it just makes sense that we would do that. So, again, I, I'd like to point out that this... This is an, an, an imperative for us as believers. 
we, we this is not a suggestion from Paul. Hey, you know, if you if you're feeling like it, you go on ahead and, you know, try to be a living sacrifice. Just give give it the best shot you got. That's that's not what he's saying here. This, this for us, this is an imperative. This is what we need to do. And I'm not saying it in a you know, in a striving sort of way. But when you read God's word, then you know that he's going to provide the means for you to be able to, to do the things that he's asking you to do, which he does. I mean, we've seen all these mercies that we just listed at the very beginning. And all those mercies allow us to do these things that, that, that Paul is listing here that, that God wants us to do. So this is a command to give yourself completely that I give myself completely to God and to do it continually every single day. Or my, friend, my friends in the South will say, every single day. Every single day, that's what I say. Do it every single day. So as we, so, so as we do, as the Scripture commands us, we're not going to be conformed to this world. We're not going to be pressed into the mold of of. Uh, a, a society that wants to break down the family or wants to rail against the, the, the order that God set up. Uh, we're we're going to be those who read his word and seek out his face, and, and, and we're transformed. Literally, we are turned into uh, a new creation. So as, as, I, as I think about these, I, I want to take a minute... Um, to speak to any, anybody that may be listening online or here uh, um, at the church tonight who, who does not know the Lord. Um, you do not have a relationship with Him. You uh, don't know anything about Him. I pray that, God, that, that one of the reasons that you're here is that God is working uh, something in you. But I would like to say that... Um, you know, just as I mentioned earlier in the scriptures, we, you know, uh, the believers that, that were here, we were, we were at enmity with God. And because of the, the salvation that, that Christ wrought for us, the thing that he, that he bled and died for us uh, and provided to us on our account that we did not deserve, now we have eternal life through him. And if you call upon his name, his word says that if you call upon his name, if you genuinely call upon his name and you seek him out, you will be saved. And I would admonish you to do that. If you, if you don't know the Lord and you want to, if you have questions or anything, you know, talk to Kevin, talk to me, talk to some, uh, talk to Pastor Jim, uh, just find somebody to say, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to, you know, I want to, um, I, I want to belong to him. If, if, you know, I, I pray that God is working that in, in many who are listening. But what I'll say to uh, those of us who belong to the Lord, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through this one time uh, as we move to the close. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, so I speak to those that belong to the Lord, and because of God's many mercies that we've gone over. So Paul beseeches you that, we, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your, your body and your mind and your will 
So we can do what that's holy, acceptable to God, what is your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't let the world shape you. Don't let the world put its stamp on you. But be transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind, by God's holy word every day that you may prove what is good, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Read his word, be changed, and then walk out his will before men, before men who are lost and dying, men and women who need to know that there is hope and that there is uh, eternal life that has been provided if they will only call upon his name. So I say, uh, as Paul has put here, let's be a living sacrifice. Let's, let's be sure that we give our bodies and our minds and our wills. Let's not crawl off the altar. Let's, uh, let's be thankful for the things and the many mercies that God has given us. Let's be thankful for the salvation. If he never, if he never gave us anything else and he gave you salvation... It's the greatest thing you could ever get, ever. If you got not one more thing, not one more thing, you, 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 you uh, should be eternally grateful to him forever. So, okay, I'm going to end there. Uh, tonight is communion. So we're, we're going to um, uh, take communion here. Um, we do Wednesday night a little bit differently. Uh, worship team will do a couple of songs and they'll, they'll bring the, uh, the bread and the, the, uh, the juice up here. And as the songs are coming, you can come up as you would like and, and uh, take communion. Um, but this is a time where we remember, uh, I mean, it's fitting that we're talking about being a living sacrifice because Christ died for us and he is alive forevermore. And he uh, has given this to us so we would remember what he has done for us, how his body was broken, and how his blood was shed for the, for the remission of our sins. How he became sin for us so that we'd become the righteousness of God through him, him who knew, who knew no sin. So um, I'm going to ask uh, Kevin to come up and, and pray for communion as we get ready to end in worship. Um, and the, the, uh, they'll be bringing the, the juice and the, the bread up here momentarily. Your love and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for the ultimate sacrifice that you gave us, Lord. We thank you, Father, as we look through the entirety of the Bible, that your plan of salvation was from the beginning in the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are working amongst us and in us and through us, Lord. We thank you, Father, that tonight, Lord, as we looked, as Royce brought forth your message, Lord, that, Father, that we are, nothing good dwells within us, Lord, except what your Christ has made us. We ask you, Lord God, that you would continually mold us and shape us, we ask you, Lord God, that as Isaiah said, Lord, to who will you send? Send me, Lord. 
But first we must be cleansed. We must be presented ourselves, Lord, as living sacrifices upon your altar, Lord. Father, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Father, that we can do that, Lord, by the reading of your word, that faith comes by hearing, Lord. And we ask you, Lord God, that as we partake in communion tonight, that we would focus upon a cross, what you did on that cross, Lord. We ask you, Lord, that we would just look to the cross, the the cross before us and the world behind us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stricken, spitting, and afflicted, see him dying on the tree. Tis the Christ thy man rejected, yes, my soul, tis he. Is the long-expected prophet David's son, yet David's Lord by his son. Now God has spoken, tis the true and faithful word. Tell me ye.
tell 